This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. Well, hello again. This is Heather Bayer at the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and snow has uh, snow has finally arrived. It's winter, and uh, and I think it's here to stay now. The cold weather's probably going to be around for four or five months. So uh, I'm just uh, enjoying every every part of, of what the winter brings. And it was it was interesting. I was down at Kingfisher Cottage today, which is my own property. And just preparing it for some guests we have coming in next week, and it's it's interesting, you know, when I go down there in the height of the summer and the river, you know, there's people out in the river on boats and people are swimming and it's there's all the furniture out of the deck and the flowers are there. It looks absolutely stunning outside. And when I went in yesterday and looked out of the windows that look out over the river and all you can see are sort of bare trees. It was a gray old day, a little bit of snow down, but it didn't look too attractive. And then I looked inside and the fire is going and the the lighting was just right and it was just so amazingly cozy. And I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I think it was, it, it just, it just got me that, that we have these places and we can create what we want for our guests can't we? You know, um, it doesn't matter where they are, what location they're in. It's all down to us to, to create the magic. It's the passion that's in our hearts that, that makes those properties so perfect for our guests. Passion is something that uh, today's guest brings with him. And it's very clear as, as I talk to him that it, it underlies, you know, his, his total philosophy about his business. Now, my guest is Ross Twiddy from Twiddy Twiddy and Co. This is a rental, uh, a property management company in the Outer Banks. That is a family business, been going for um, around just under 40 years now. And they've gone from a couple of properties way, way back then to oh, well over a thousand that they have today. So it was, it was, it's an interesting discussion that I have with him. And this whole idea of passion comes up when he's talking about the owners that um, bring their properties to him and his company to manage. So although Twiddy is, is a huge company, it is big, it's, it sits in a, in a location where there's a lot of competition and, and it may not sort of resonate with many of, of, of my listeners who, who are perhaps owners of individual properties. I think you'll really enjoy some of the insights that Ross brings because he seems to, he, he takes this um, unique approach to each of his properties. It's not just one big conglomeration of accommodation, which is what, of course, we're fighting against when, when we're thinking about the, you know, the big listing sites and the hotelification of this industry. Uh, we want to remain th- 
that you would retain that individuality and uniqueness. And it was, uh, it was very refreshing to hear him talk about it. So without further ado, let's move on over to the interview with Ross, with Ross Twiddy. So I'm delighted to have with me today Ross Twiddy from Twiddy & Com, a property management company located in the Outer Banks. And this is a company that's been going for nearly 40 years. So I'm so excited to talk to Ross about everything about this company, how it started, what the ch- what changes have been experienced, what challenges they have operating large volumes of properties. Because um, Ross is going to tell you his uh, some of the, the numbers, how many properties they have, how many staff they have. And, uh, and it's going to be a really interesting talk. Wonderful to have you with me today, Ross. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate the opportunity. So it's it's a little bit of a, a thing on this uh, this podcast that uh, that I, I I have a thing about the weather. So I will always ask every guest what their weather is like today. We're getting pretty lucky. We've got a mild November here, so it's about uh, 55, 60 degrees, um, sunny, ocean is nice and calm. Lots of people out there fishing, so we're pretty lucky. It's um, on par for your typical November. That sounds wonderful. I was out. I was out. In fact, looking at um, a new property the other day, and all our properties are lakefront. So I drove out two and a half hours, and usually in November it's dim and dismal. It was glorious, and I had a t-shirt on. I had open-toed sandals, and I'm standing out in this lakefront, thinking this is amazing. That was last Friday. By Sunday, there was six inches of snow. Well, we have an expression on the Outer Banks: if you don't like the weather, just wait; it'll change. <laughs> Ours is usually pretty predictable. You know, we, we, we have a distinct four seasons. It just doesn't normally happen um, so quickly that we'll go from from 70-odd um, degrees down to um, near freezing. In fact, it's it was below well below that freezing this morning. That does not happen on the Outer Banks, fortunately. <laughs> but you can certainly relate. We're geographically isolated. So when you say you have to drive two and a half hours, I can relate and understand that. Well, that's something I want to talk about because I've I've never been down to your neck of the woods. I would love to come one day and um and and take a look because I've heard about it and what astonishes me is how many vacation rentals there are down there. So, I just want to kick out kick off really by asking about how your company twitty.com got started and you know, t- tell us a little bit about about the location. Um, so that every, so people who've never been there are aware of of the extent of it. I'd like to think the Outer Banks is the Pappy Van Winkle of uh, vacation rentals. It's it's the affordable luxury, albeit not as rare. Um, but we're a collection of about six thousand rental homes on a thin barrier island, but stretching a good ways. So from the Virginia line up to Corova, all the way down to Cape Hatteras, and all the way down to the, the Ocracoke Island. Um, Twitty started as you mentioned, almost 40 years ago, when we developed land and helped people develop some land. And once they sold the land and then built a house, the question was, now I built this home, I can't use it all myself. It sits idle about 12 weeks a year. Would you be able to rent it out? And we'd say, we'd give it a try. And of course, you know, it's evolved pretty quickly from, you know, just a few homes in sleepy town called Duck to now, you know, over a thousand homes, 1,026 to be precise, in Duck and Kerala. Kilo Hills, Corolla, the four-wheel drive area, Nags Head. So it's 
Um, it's grown up and we're very proud to, to represent, you know, that experience to our vacationers. Oh, when you say the four wheel drive area, what does that mean? There's a stretch of about 13 miles where the road ends and four wheel drive is required. So the road literally goes to the beach and then from then on out, put it in four wheel drive, you lower the tire pressure. And for 13 miles, that's the primary access. So there's homes in between federal land and state parks where uh, the wild horses roam and your primary method or road is the full the beach itself. Wow. This, this is, this is so different to me. Um, I go down to um, Alabama every September, October, you know, in, our, in, in the slow time, you probably, um, ha- I don't know if you have any slow time, but October is October, early November is ours. We go down to Florida, um, uh, Alabama, and I'm used to seeing, you know, these, these beachfront homes, you know, all up on stilts, particularly around, down towards um, Dauphin Island, um, Alabama. And, and I've always been intrigued by those and, the, but but all these areas are serviced by roads. It's only maybe maximum ten miles to go to get to a big box you know, grocery store, a big grocery store. So so mm-hmm. do people have to drive for miles to to go to these places? In general, the Outer Banks is easily accessible. So we're about six to eight hours drive is what our typical drive length is. Um, Northern Virginia, D.C., New York, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Um, so once you get in the full drive area, it does get a little more remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Duck and Corolla areas, you're 15 to 30 minutes away from, you know, a, a grocery store. Uh, there's some downtown shopping. Uh, Corolla, the same way, historic villages. But the full drive area, yes, it does not have any commercial areas. And so it is very remote, isolated, and also very pretty. Sounds a lot like our area up here where, you know, we, we, we can have guests heading out of Toronto and then two hours later they're off on a dirt track road for, for 10 miles before they find their little lake at the end of it. So yeah, we, we probably have some, some similarities here, but yeah, on a, on a perhaps a, a much smaller scale. So coming up on 40 years, there's been a lot of changes, I'm sure, even in the time that you've been with Twiddy. I mean, how long have you been actually actively working within the company? So my I'm second generation, so my first job was when I was five, stuffing packets at the front counter. And that went to linens, you know, stuffing linens for, for guests in the homes, to working in the team main, um, doing odds and ends, delivering blenders, fixing small maintenance items. And then after graduating college, uh, coming on to different departments, the rentals, the owner services, uh, marketing. Um, so it's been 15 full-time years since graduating college, but um, for as many summers as I can remember. Wow. And, and so, so still very much a family company. Absolutely. Yes. Have at least two or three lunches with dad every week. Talk about what's going on. What are the challenges? Uh, and it's part of the greatest appeal of a family business is you get to sit down with some blood and, and talk and, and say, how do we improve this? Or what do you think about this and your experience? How does this work? Hey, am I thinking this right? Um, you know, you can chase some rabbits and come up with some better ideas. If I talk to myself, I don't get too much smarter. <laughs> so, so when you're sitting down with him, what are the sort of changes you're you're telling him about the, the new things that have happened since um, you know in in the last let's say the last ten years or even the last five years? The two easiest ones are, are homes and technology. I'll start with technology. Dad was so proud. We still have it today. He, one of the first pieces of technology we had was a split printer device. It was an AB switch. 
and it would switch from one dot matrix printer to another. So you could print two things at the same time. And you fast forward to now, um, we have some very similar technology trying to balance the load uh, of our website to optimize the speed. And it's based, you know, out of our, uh, down in Florida and it's quicker than if we hosted it here. So it's the same example, but it's just gotten so sophisticated, so complicated, but also allows for greater separation from the marketplace. Because mm-hmm. something I want to talk about is how you get a thousand plus properties, thousand twenty-six properties changed over on a on a weekend in the summer. Are you are you using technology to um, to make that an easier process? If we weren't, we probably wouldn't have gotten to a thousand twenty-six. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, it's a critical component of what we do. Um, even with as much technology you have, there's no substitute for hard work and good people. So it's uh, the right environment where technology allows good people to do what they do so well and fosters the environment for innovation. I read uh, an, an interview you did a few years ago with, um, with Flipkey, and mm-hmm. you, you made a comment there about the majority of your cleaning staff driving for two and a half to three hours. And, yes. and how many bathrooms they, they were turning over on a changeover day, on a maybe Saturday of a weekend. And then I came across one particular property on your site, the Pine Island Lodge, and it, I thought 28 bedrooms and 31 bathrooms. And I thought, wow, you know, if 31 bathrooms, how many people does that take? <laughs> how, so how you know how long does that take and how does technology get involved with helping them do that so we clean about 96,000 bedrooms in a summer and about 94,000 bathrooms and technology plays a role in it uh, because of the optimization of the process itself uh, of communication it still works with the people and that's uh, one of the fundamentals, as you know, about vacation rental businesses, the people, the people, the people, the people. And so technology allows people to become better connected, more intelligent about the environment, have some better situational awareness, and then let those people go and do what they do so well. And so to answer your question, it depends on the size of the home, depends on the condition it was left. So then we try to react with varying degrees of people. You know, it could take a team of 12 people all day. It could take a team of really good uh, two-person team or a smaller home. So we can try to predict um, certain outcomes, but there's still an element of randomness to it. Uh, there's just so many moving variables. So you can position yourself uh, for peak load and then anticipate there will be a, a large amount of change uh, and then try to react to that. That's not being too vague. Finding this this fascinating because once again, going back to uh, the similarity between our l- locations, <laughs> our properties are, you know, I, I have you know, 180 odd, but they are all spread out some, you know, seven hours from our office and others are five hours from our office. Mm-hmm. So it is very difficult to get um, for us to arrange for people to go out to them, but they're mostly two or two and a half hours from Toronto. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, you have this team of people that come that mobilize you mobilize them for for these changeovers and they all head in do their job and head out so i guess that's one challenge you have in operating in that area what other challenges do you have 
uh, operating in in the Outer Banks? Um, you, you probably can relate. We're, we're extremely seasonal and we're geographically isolated, like I said. So that produces a tight labor market. And then some of the appeals we have, right, surfing, fishing and hunting could work against you as well. So the labor might get a little thinner when the waves are up or when it's uh, the blues are running, the fishing is good um, or hunting is on. So labor is probably one of the biggest challenges we have. And uh, we had to challenge some of our own um, misconceptions about we're on the Outer Banks and because we're isolated, we, we might not be able to attract X or Y. And that's changed over the years. You know, we've started being able to uh, leverage the Outer Banks, the beauty of the Outer Banks, and the, and the cultural lifestyle of the Outer Banks and Tweedy and Company to get some industrial engineers, to get some uh, financial analysts from Capital One, um, starting recruiting some of the local colleges, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, NC State, Chapel Hill, um, for data analysts, uh, for people that, that specialize in different fields. So while the labor is challenging, that same challenge applies to all the competitors. And if we can attract the best, retain the best, that also provides some separation in the marketplace. Well, that leads on to another question being, in, you know, in such a competitive environment, how do you ensure you stand out? And I guess, you know, the, the start to that would be getting the quality people. So there's three reasons there. People, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the godfather, everyone thinks a family business. There's this godfather moment where, you know, hey, he passes along some secrets and the son or your daughter gets it. And then, hey, it's easier. And then you, you, you pass along. But in fact, it's just the opposite. It's the repetition of the fundamentals. You know, so I can remember at a, at a young age sitting at the dinner table. Hey, hey, Ross, let me tell you, this business is about people, 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 people. So you hear that for 15 years and, and it becomes ingrained. And it is part of the fabric and culture of tweeting coming. And we do have a wonderful collection of, of a team of, of, of shining stars at Tweeting Company that, you know, display our reputation or, or shepherd the experience on a one-on-one basis. Get the good people. Then you can get the technology. Then you can get the better process. Mm-hmm. Then you can start, you know, dissect the science of hospitality. But the people are the backbone and the catalyst and the accelerant. So how else do you, uh, do you stand out? I mean, how, how many, how many um property management companies are there in in that location so there's 16 on the outer banks so it is hyper competitive so the, the outer banks is very pretty so you have more people coming here to the outer banks and when you have more people coming that fuels some profit and with profit comes competition so that competition also forces us to keep us on our toes and be innovative you know we have to be disruptive to get ahead of the pack and you stand out in a number of different ways you know the service uh, the housekeeping uh, the relationships with owners, the marketing, how we drive revenue to our owners, uh, how we ensure the experience of the guests. You know, I think there's simple concepts. They're hackneyed concepts because everybody talks on They're just hard as sin to implement on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to your other question, you know, what's changed so much on the Outer Banks? I think we're lucky to be here 40 years for some of the things that hadn't changed on the Outer Banks. You know, the smiles, the family traditions, you know, the seafood, the history of the Outer Banks. Those things haven't changed necessarily. And so as long as we're able to hold on to those traditions and, you know, adapt and change with the homes, we used to have three bedroom homes with no AC and that was a big deal. Now we've got, you know, 16 bedrooms with lazy rivers, theaters, you know, and golf simulators. And even we got a home with an indoor chapel. I mean, so the homes have certainly adjusted, but again, the fundamentals of the people and the 
the culture you can create for this environment have not changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just talking about the the types of properties you have, is there, is there a finite number of properties that, that ultimately you'll have because there won't be any more built? There, the growth has um, has slowed down. Are properties still being built or new properties coming onto the rental market all the time? Yes, to some degree. Um, you could say that duck and craw are built out for the most part. But you still have the replacement. So you'll have an older home that's torn down for a new home or the renovations. Mm-hmm. So you still have a good number of new homes, renovations being built every year. Believe it or not, at 1026, we're still very conservative. We turn down about 20 homes for every one we accept. Because you can get big, but it's the experience on the guest and the owner side that we hold dear to our hearts. That's our true passion. But it's twofold, too. It's not only just the homes, but also the owners of those homes. You know, we have a wide array of personalities and those homeowners will define your brand in, in the care they give for the homes, um, in the pride of ownerships they display in the homes. So if you can surround yourself the best and brightest individuals at Toyota and Company, but also the best owners, that positions you better for success on the guest side, too. What qualities are you looking for? Um, in a home and more importantly in an in an owner because I know that from my experience you know you can have the most fabulous home and the relationship with the owner is such that it 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 just doesn't work for one reason or another so so I know that when we go out and and look for uh for new homes to come onto our programs know what standards we want in a home and if if those meet them then the partnership with the owner you know it's just fundamental to, to that relationship? How, how does that work with you? So at the homes, we're looking for emotional gunpowder, good or bad, right? We want to elicit an emotion from our potential guests. It should be exciting. You, know, you should want to look forward to it, whether it be the, you know, um, the setup of the, the kitchen overlooking the ocean. It could be the, the dune deck. It could be the private pool. Whatever is important to that guest is what we want to create uh, or to market. And so... In a home, I always go with emotional gunpowder, uniqueness, what separates you from the pack. And then from the homeowner, we talked about the pride of ownership. If that's not there, things are probably not going to work as well as they should. So each one of our homes should have a pride of ownership, even if the goals of the owner are different, return on investment, um, uh, uh, occasional rentals, whatever it may be. And then what we looked up for owners is passion, right? You can hear passion. I don't care if you... You like Tina Turner to Biggie Smalls, right? When either of those sing, you can hear that passion. And that's what guests respond to in an owner, their passion to create that experience. And if you can have the pride of ownership, you can have the passion from owners. Then you start going down the next list. You know, hey, are you reasonable? Are you are you able to uh, communicate um, with a quick turnaround? Uh, are you understanding? Can you Can you understand the situation and the emotions involved in decisions as well? You know, just like you said, you could put owners in different situations and said, if this was to happen, what would you say? And if you hear, well, those people don't deserve or you people, mm, that's sometimes not the right perspective. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's certainly something something we experience. And sometimes you're, you're right. It is just a word or a phrase that will kick off some alarm bells. We've moved, like like many people have, from referring to our guests as renters and I can often go out to a property and and get the the 
test the climate of, of how a relationship is going to be just by whether I hear the word those renters or not. And I don't want those renters to trash my place, which is often a, <laughs> uh, uh, just, just a little bit of a red flag. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we, you know, you and I are talking very much on the same, same lines here. And that's it. After 30 years, your experience should allow you to thin slice it mm-hmm. or to quickly recognize or be a little more sensitive to it. So you can smell things in the air sometimes. I, like many small property management companies, when we first started out, it was like, yeah, come on board. We'll take everything and anything. And it's just in, in, the, uh, in the past four or five years that we've become you know, selective like you are and, and turned down um, you know, a much greater proportion of, uh, of the properties that come our way. So what involvement do owners actually have? You know, you've, you've talked about passion, um, pride of ownership, a uniqueness in the property. Do you encourage owners to have any involvement in terms of marketing? We look for involvement and active engagement. You know, if, if you don't call renters renters, you call them guests. Sometimes we call our owners partners. These are very successful, very intelligent, uh, understanding folks. And so the more we can present what is going on, especially when it comes to their investment, their emotional investment, the more likely they are to understand and engage with Twitty and Company for a mutually successful partnership, right? So we try to provide as much data as we can. And where we make mistakes is we're not providing enough data. You know, we didn't tell them about some of this maintenance charges because we just did it. Well, it was the right thing to do. But looking out on behalf of the owner, it's just that consideration or the courtesy that we need to improve on. And the more communication you give to owners about their investments, the better they'll be in terms of giving you the tools to be successful. Do they go out and, and actively market at all, um, you know, using social media or anything like that? We are very um, limited in that sense. Uh, I'd like to think that we're very lucky because our marketing uh, channels or the initiatives or the, the projects uh, have produced uh, the rentals and the revenue for our owners. But I also know that the majority of our owners are very busy folks and they're limited in the time they can spend on this investment. So we have probably a handful of owners who have their own Facebook page or their own websites. The, the duration of that is somewhat limited. Most of them will teeter out within a few years, say, hey, it's just not worth it. You guys are doing it. All right. Or the ones that do enjoy it uh, and have the time to, to invest in that. So do many of your owners actually use their properties themselves? Are they, so so they're, they're sharing their, their own use with, um, with guest use? The overwhelming majority. Uh, we encourage it. Right. If you if you stay in your home, you'll see things you'll understand if you're an absentee homeowner. Right. Who's emotionally distant. That doesn't work out sometimes in our experience. We can make it work. We just need to set the guidelines and then we need to set the thresholds, too. And then you build some trust. And so we have some owners say, Ross, I won't be able to come down this year. I got stuff going on. Keep me posted. You guys got it. I trust you. We've been doing business for a long time. Look forward to doing it again. And every year they sign their contract. So we do have some that aren't as active. If we had our choice, it'd be the more active homeowners who do enjoy their home. And that's how you produce that pride of ownership and passion. I like, I like that approach. And certainly the, the approach to, to calling them partners is, is not one you hear very often. That gives me, you know, it gives me some ideas about relationships with, uh, with, with my owners. Because, you know, I've, I've been an owner myself. You know, I, I own properties 
but I've never worked with a property management company because I've always been it. So it, it's interesting to put myself in the position of, you know, how I would like to be treated if I was working. You know, if I came down to the Outer Banks and bought a property, how would I like to be treated? Make no mistake, the owners got you to the dance. Well, you can't have one without the other. We, we exhibit at a, a cottage show in uh, Toronto every year, and we often have people come past us and say, um, so, so what do you do? Do you rent properties or are you here looking for owners? And <laughs> the answer is, you know, there ain't one without the other. Um, so we look for good quality properties, great owners, and then we rent them to you, the uh, the great rental guest who's just walked past. We, we've just been talking briefly about marketing. Um, it's complicated. I know when I look out at all the different options that are available now, you know, think channel management and distribution, and it's it's complicated. How do you navigate all those options? And how do you sort of go around, choose the best ones that are going to serve you well? We go back in history here. Um, I think the Google Analytics team are the Greeks. Um, they're the Plato's. You know thyself. And that means know your data. Right. So understand what's happening on your website, the reasons why. And the more you can click and discover and understand and analyze, the more powerful you'll be. And the more you can start to experiment and have those actionable insights that you can control. So that's the first place I start is, is having some analytics on your website that allow you to learn. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm preferential to the folks at, at GA because it's free and it's really good. Uh, and it integrates with so many other features that have become essential to our business. I'd say after you know your data, I'd say you need to hate your status quo. So whatever you're saying you were marketing because that's the way you used to do it is your red flag. So you've got to start challenging that and experimenting with different techniques. And then your metrics and measurement will tell you what's working, what's not working and how quickly you can fail or how quickly you can adapt or innovate will define your marketing. So there's thousands of options in marketing, right? Yeah. I, I can't tell you what's the silver bullet. Something might work for you and it doesn't work for me. And only you'll know that. And so the more aware you become of, of your own marketing, the more capable you'll be of positioning, creating your funnel um, to capitalize on that. I get, I get confused in, in all the, the choices that are. And just yesterday I had three calls from, from different channel distribution companies saying, you know, Come with us. Come with us. We are the best. It, you know, how, how do you differentiate between those? Um, the, our funny answer is we go with the one that smells the best, right? <laughs> and we define that as if you can simply explain the connection to your core business from start to finish, right? So you, you hear the request all the time, choose us and we'll do X. And you're like, what for? Why? How does that work? That leads to what? That benefits what? Right. And if they can't explain it, it doesn't work. So I go back and start at the fundamentals, you know, your website, your phones, your email. Are you doing those well? And if you're not doing them well, are you doing them exceptional? If you're not doing exceptional, start with those first. And then refine them. You know, it's, it's, it's reinvesting in your business is always the best choice. 
So, and that's the vague answer. In terms of the marketing, I'd be clear. This does what for my guests that allows the company to do what? Well, it, it just, it's lead generation. What is a lead? Uh, it's a person. Okay. That does what? That comes to your website to do what? Right? I, th- I think you just have to really understand, again, your website. That's the most powerful marketing you have. And once you delve into it enough and start to really understand the mechanics of that, some of the technology choices out there will be a little bit easier because it either allows that, that uh, to bridge different gaps you might have, accelerates some desired behaviors, or connects fragmented behaviors. Does that make any sense? I'm being too vague there, Heather. No, you, this is my litmus cool. test. You can say, hey, dude, you're crazy. I've been called that before. It's fine. <laughs> No, no, you're making huge amounts of sense because, you know, that's sort of where I'm coming from. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, some of our listeners who are perhaps, um, the, you know, the smaller property management companies looking to grow and, and getting all this input from, uh, from, you know, I mean, going back to going to VRMA, there's a hundred or more suppliers there. So many of them offering exactly the same thing. Differentiating between them, I think you came up with it with a a, a great uh, formula there. This creates X that influences Y that leads to what desired outcome. All right, let's say it's lead generation. It produces more leads. Okay, that do what? Why don't that's your problem? That's not the right answer, right? Hey, it produces more leads that search on your website that hopefully lead to increased conversion. And then the really important part is how do I track that, right? Because if you're investing your time, which is the most important, and then your money, how do you determine if that's the desired outcome? I engaged in lead generation that didn't lead to any more bookings. So that's a failure, right? Mm-hmm. I engaged in lead generation that produced more searches, that produced more sharing, that did produce more conversions, and I did it at this return or this ratio or this return on investment. At some point, you're starting to compare efficiency of dollar, right? Hey, what's pay-per-click? What's compared to um, usability on the website, compared to you know, direct referrals, compared to organic rankings? That makes huge amounts of sense um, to me. I wish I'd had that in my pocket when I was dealing with somebody on the phone yesterday. Going back to sort of the mechanics of, of, of the company and, the, and your guest demographic, do you have certain personas that you are attracting to, to the location? You know, is it a certain type of people? Is it just families? Is it is it um, is it couples? Is it active people? Is do you have these differentiated so that you can market to them directly? Yes, especially when it comes to the seasonality of it. You know, May, April, early June, September, October are distinctly different from the families of the summer, just with the school schedules. Um, so we. Certainly understand the segmentation, but I would get even more granular than that. I would, uh, as opposed to me taking guesses about who these folks are and trying to reach out to them, they're already communicating on your website by email, the phone, and they're expressing what's important to them, Mm -hmm. which is really important to understand on a one-on-one basis. So, yes, it's overwhelmingly uh, families off of their summer or the school schedules in the summertime. But each one of those is distinctly different, as are the homes. So the more you can understand, listen, 
and try to create or match that perfect experience or expectations of the experience, the better you'll be, which you can do very well on your website, email, and phone. Going through the website, and it, uh, it got me thinking about a recent guest I had on the show, um, Martin Picard, who I met in Barcelona, in fact, earlier this year um, at the VRMA Europe event. Um, Martin runs a company called VR, um, called Vreezy, which really brings, brings out the vacation from vacation rental and emphasizes the vacation side of it rather than the rental. Um, his, his emphasis is less on the accommodation and more on the experience. Um, so when I'm looking through a website now, I'm tending to look for the content that help, would help me guide my experience. And, and I can see that, um, you know, going through uh, twitty.com, I'm finding that. And, and it's not something you see on a great many property manager websites. So, so you're spending time clearly on creating that content. So how, how important is that um, to you to, to develop the content that's going to, to maximize the experience for those guests? Well, we've been doing it for 38 years, and truly what I think there doesn't matter, right? It's a function of what the guests ask for. So we've built our website in large part to feedback from guests. Either you monitor, you know, the, the quantitative with analytics or the qualitative when they call in. And we kept getting questions. What's duck like? What's crawl like? What's the Outer Banks like? What's there to do in duck? So after you uh, amass this feedback, you then try to anticipate and create content to answer some of these questions, but also to build the experience, to provide, you know, to capture the emotion. It's not just a vacation, you know, it's an experience, but also what's it like in downtown Duck if you want to go get ice cream and go crabbing and eat a uh, crab cake and then sit in the ocean all day? Show me, right? If I'm spending these amounts from, you know, $300 to $44,000 a week, I don't want to use my imagination. Paint the picture for me, and all I want to do is put my family's faces in there, and that's what I want to do. So we've created the website because of demands of the guest side. From a perspective of a potential guest, because I guess mm -hmm. I'm a potential guest, uh, I'm looking at this and thinking, you know, you, you mentioned Duck, going through and seeing the activities, the tours and adventures, the recreation and leisure. You, you've created that um, I don't know, that experience catalog to, to, to enable a guest to go in and, and find, find those different things. And I think I, you, you talk about, you know, it, it's the guest driving this, but there's so many different types of guests. And I think you've nailed it. And it's wonderful. Yes. And, and we haven't really created anything. We're just trying to illuminate what this wonderful Outer Banks is about. Yeah. What is Duck Corral? Show them. Yeah. Well, I've never heard of either until today. That's a problem, Heather. We know what to do with that one. You know, I do know scientifically proven podcasts are better by the ocean. Oh, listening, listening to a podcast by the ocean. Oh, no. If, you, yeah, if you're at your office on an oceanfront home yeah. and you hear the ocean in the background, it's just a, it's a better podcast. Oh. <laughs> Empirically, yes. Yeah, I'll just, sit out, <laughs> I'll just sit outside and tell you that, you, you know, if you listen hard enough, you can hear the snow coming down. <laughs> Yes. It's a soothing a tone that accompanies your wonderful voice, Heather. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe go outside in an ice storm. So every time, <laughs> every time a branch cracks off a tree. 
<laughs> hey, listen, Ross, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. You are, um, you're blowing my mind a little bit. You know, I've been in my business for 14 years. I, I know I have a massive amount to, to learn and I've learned so much just from this short time we spent together. So I'm, I'm just so thankful that you joined me today. Well, I thank you for what you've done on the website. You know, you're spreading the word and you're you're stimulating ideas and you're challenging what we can do, right? We oh. could really do something great here and we're just starting to understand some of it. Yeah, I I mean I, I hear this um this expression, um I've heard it for the past ten years or so, which is vacation rentals are in their infancy. I mean perhaps we're in an adolescence now, but we definitely haven't got to grown up yet. You know, I, I just I just love being in um in the thick of it, I guess. Well said. That's where the fun is. That's <laughs> why you wake up in the morning. It, it is indeed. So I hope I hope we get to meet face to face one day, whether it's at a VRMA conference or, you know, I'll just come knocking at, um, at your office door. You know, we will be here and we would <laughs> love to meet. There's nothing like uh, sit down and talking about hospitality when you get to see it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Ross, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Well, thank you, Ross. That was an absolute pleasure talking with you. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed hearing your take on being a, um, a manager of so many properties. I mean, you're, you're, the business is five times larger than my own. However, we do have so many similar characteristics uh, involved in, in uh, you know, how, how the business is, is, is structured and constructed, particularly given the um, remoteness of some of the properties. So uh, it was a very interesting conversation. Thank you so much once again for, for joining me. I just want to clarify something that Ross said during the course of that conversation. Uh, he was talking about websites and knowing your website and being so familiar with your own business before you start bringing in sort of third parties. And he mentioned GA. Um, I'm quite sure that the majority of you will know GA means Google Analytics. I just wanted to make that clear because it's, um, it's something that I haven't paid a huge amount of attention to over the last 10 years of running my business. Um, we, we look at our analytics, of course, but we don't spend a lot of time uh, analyzing where people are going, why they're spending certain, you know, so much time on certain pages and not on others. And, and now that we've just transitioned over to a new website, which we're very excited about, um, Google Analytics and learning Google Analytics is going to be a huge part of my learning curve over the next few months. So uh, you will probably hear more about that uh, from me as, as I begin to explore the power of, of Google Analytics and um, and, and how it works to do what Ross was recommending. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's always good, I think, to, to look at different aspects of the business. We, we talk to, I talk to individual owners and um, people who are starting up very, very small scale property management companies to, to those that are managing 150, 200 properties. And then these major players in the property management market um, like Ross. So it's, it's just great to see this 
this take on the business by so many different types of people. So as we move into 2017, I'd love to hear from you as to what you'd like from the Vacation Rental Success podcast in the new year. Um, I've asked this before and I do get the occasional response, but you know, I'm, I'm serious. Email me, let me know who you'd like me to talk to. Are there, are there some themes that we could, um, we could generate? Um, from my from my own personal perspective, one thing that I really want to do next year is ha- is is to grow the uh, successful owner series that I started way way back, and and interview a lot more individual owners to see what their best practices are, what it what it is that they're that they're doing that makes them successful, and also to find out what it is that they're not doing. I think that's equally as important. Maybe things that they've tried out that haven't worked. Because if we can share that and we can all take on board this fantastic learning that's coming from these people, then it's only going to improve our own businesses. So, you know, take a minute, think about if there's any, any, anybody, anybody you know you'd like me to talk to. And, uh, and if, it's, if, if it works, then, um, then I'll get that set up. So I'm off to uh, to walk the dogs in the snow. I have to get out every single day. It's very, very easy to curl up in front of a fire on a miserable, damp, snowy afternoon and, and not go out. But uh, I am determined this year that I will get out every single day. Um, walk these dogs. Enjoy the fresh air. And uh, unfortunately, there's no sunshine. But, you know, I make my own. So just once again, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you and I look forward to be with you, to being with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. 